Hello, everyone, and welcome into this fireside chat titled Lessons from Abroad. I'm Andrew Cox, research analyst here at FreightWaves. Today, I have with me the CEO of Liftit, a very promising young startup in Colombia that works in five markets in Latin America. His name is Brian York. Brian, how are we this morning? Doing well. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me this morning. Yeah, I'm very glad to have you. Let's uh, let's get a little bit about your story, man. You got a, a little bit of a unique story. You are uh, Colombian-born, but raised there in Massachusetts. I think we find you here uh, in Massachusetts right now. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you ended up back in Bogota to start Lifted. Yeah, definitely. So I am in the house I grew up in, coincidentally, and visiting my mother. Um, so I was born in Bogota, on the streets of Bogota, and abandoned into an orphanage. I was adopted as a, as a baby and grew up. Um, in Massachusetts, in, in this house specifically. And I've always wanted to go back to get connected to my roots and uh, get connected to try to find my biological family. And, you know, a little bit as a teenager, more so in the 20s. And when I, when I was in my 30s, I definitely wanted, that was the perfect time for me to, to go back and search for my biological family, which was January 2017. And I haven't left. So I, it took me about 18 months to find my family, but I started Lift It right away. I had uh, done some research in the market from San Francisco, tested the idea, validated the hypothesis, and then we started to work like right when I got down there. But um, you know, getting back to my personal story, uh, it took me 18 months, about 18 months to find my family. And then when I did, my lo and behold, my brother is a truck driver. So now he's working for Lifted, helping us recruit drivers. Now I'm working with him almost, you know, when I'm in Colombia. I see him very often because we're, we're, he's helping us recruit drivers. And so it's definitely kind of a dream come true to, to be back uh, in, into the city where I was born, building a company, working with my brother. So it's, uh, that's the background. Yeah, uh, it must be a dream come true. You guys just had a massive funding round uh, announced uh, recently, right? It was about $22.5 million. Tell us why yeah. they gave you that money. Why, why have investors backlifted? Give us your little pitch that you gave to investors. Yeah, well, I mean, the trucking market across the globe is is interesting, hot, really hot in some cases. In Latin America, really specifically, there's it remains pretty much untouched. There's only like very small number of companies that have any investment backing, uh, and so for us, we were uniquely positioned into the short distance trucking space, which we focus on, um, and. There, we basically compete against traditional carriers from Monterey, Mexico, down to Sao Paulo, everywhere in between. So very compelling space, especially with Latin America e-commerce and, and mobile penetration growth rates uh, skyrocketing over the last few years. It was just kind of a perfect storm. Also, um, the so Lifted is a, is a marketplace where we go recruit truck drivers and connect them to shippers through, through technology. And um, the, in the, the, the most of the shippers are already outsourcing their truck deliveries. Uh, 75% of the shippers are outsourcing. And most of it is to traditional carriers or directly with uh, owner operators. And the owner operator market in Latin America is really just one guy who owns one truck. In Mexico, it's a little bit different. You actually, there's an hombre camion market where uh, an individual could own up to 100 trucks. But that's unique. The rest of the the market is uh, really just one guy that has one truck. And what you see is uh, cousins, brothers, uncles, all pooling money together to buy a truck, and that this is the way that their family is going to uh, make money for the next decade or more. And ultimately, they want to be empowered to buy more trucks and 
uh, be there, make make themselves their own entrepreneur. And so, given the dynamics of the the marketplace, the fact that shippers are already outsourcing most of the market is owner operator markets, like individuals with one truck. Really, just a perfect time with all of the kind of the macro uh, in, macro developments happening with e-commerce. It was a really great time to uh, go out and fundraise for for this business. So what are you going to do with the money? I saw that you are not going to focus on expansion right now. You're going to focus on those five markets that you're in, Colombia, Mexico, Brazil, Chile, and Ecuador. What are you going to do? What are your offerings right now? And, and what do you expect to grow into into the next couple of years? Yeah, so when we, our, our Series A round, we, were, we closed that at the end of 2018, and we were pretty much just in Bogota. So between the A and the B round, we expanded to five countries, uh, 18 cities, and that was a lot of expansion and a lot of lessons learned. With hindsight, I'm definitely glad we, we took that approach. But now, uh, after we've closed the B round, it's really important for us to remain focused in the, in the countries and the cities that we're in and going deeper with the shippers that we work with, building out our leadership team, uh, and also uh, have a healthy balance sheet to use for some of our working capital dynamics that we have. Fortunately, we have local banking partners for, to partner for some of that working capital. But at the same time, we like to use our, our own balance sheet to, to use for working capital. So in that regard, we, we pay our truck drivers every two weeks. And then for our payment terms with the shippers, net 30, sometimes net 45. And so um, there's that, that time period where we need to um, have a balance sheet to, to use for our working capital. So, but primarily, it's to, to reinvest into the into the headcounts, into going deeper into the markets that we're in. You mentioned a second ago about how fragmented the market is. We know that the U.S. market is highly fragmented when it comes to drivers. There's something like 90% of the uh, trucking companies are owner-ops or have less than five fleets. That's probably, or less than five trucks, rather. That's probably even more uh, so the case in Latin America. You say that you're recruiting a lot of drivers. You're using the help of your brother, uh, now a family business. Tell me what are the biggest challenges about recruiting drivers there uh, in Latin America, and do the challenges differ by, uh, by the country and market that you're in? Yeah. At the end of the day, recruiting drivers is actually pretty straightforward. The only online channel we use is Facebook. It's it's phenomenal how much uh, just posting a picture of a of a truck. We sometimes we'll get up to fifteen thousand likes and engagements and comments around just one truck posting uh, if we use Facebook. But primarily, our channel is just working actually with the guys that we we have a uh, um, what's the sorry it's the uh, we have a referral program so. Uh, the referral program works really well for our drivers, and we also just go to the um, to the stores or the distribution centers that we have and, and manually recruit drivers, which work really well as as well. The thing with in Latin America is the these guys are on WhatsApp channels with hundreds of other truck drivers. So if you do a, re- a good job with one, they're going to let all their their other friends. And so the organic inbound on truck drivers is really good as well. And because we compete against traditional carriers, where Historically, like for Colombia, for instance, it's the carriers are being run by third generation uh, family members who really don't have a passion for the business. And these businesses have been through the uh, ups and downs of the economy, through the corruption that had happened 20 years ago. And so a lot of these businesses kind of at the end result is really the, the person who's least focused on the equation is the driver. So just actually just focusing on them a little bit goes a long way. And since day one, it's been an internal mission to a lot of our decisions internally, like make sure it benefits the truck driver. And that's that has definitely helped us when it comes to recruiting. So it's, it's relatively straightforward to to recruit the drivers. 
Well, that's, a, that's great to hear that you're focusing on the drivers. I mean, that in, in the U.S., we just recently did a survey, but we know in, that it's been plaguing the U.S. for many years, the truck industry, that driver retention and driver recruiting is some of the, one of the more difficult challenges that we have to overcome. Let's talk about some of the operational challenges of operating in the Latin American market on the last mile. So you, you find that recruiting drivers is pretty straightforward. What is it like operating in this short-haul market? What, are, what is most challenging for you at Lyft it? Yeah, on the operations itself, so part of the our learnings that we have being almost a four-year-old company now is when we were scaling up and we were scaling across markets, we uh, took on a lot of operations that weren't necessarily our core focus, but at the time, we didn't really know that that uh, was the case. So, for instance, there's in Colombia, there's a, a short-distance truck operation called Tienda to Tienda, which is, you know, store to store. And these trucks need to go deep into the some some neighborhoods which are dangerous and do up to a hundred deliveries, delivering cokes and chips into tiendas. And a lot of the times, when you're that deep into the neighborhoods in certain areas, there, there, there's a lot of robberies. And so, if you pick a particular operation that you become vulnerable to robberies, it definitely happens. And those operations. Um, when you originally sign or verbally kind of come to an agreement with the shipper, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of margin there. But until you actually feel like the rubber hits the road on the truck and your feet hit the ground on the guys, you actually realize that there's a lot more overhead that's needed to manage the operation, whether it's in-house people or additional traffic supervising because of theft. And then net-net, you actually don't have like like positive EBIT on the, on the operation. So you kind of have to reevaluate these operations all the time when it wasn't so transparent in the beginning. A market that is very difficult to manage both long-distance trucking and short-distance trucking is Mexico. Mexico has always had a high level of theft, and now with the pandemic, the level of theft is, is pretty crazy. We have a truck stolen uh, almost once a month, and it's really difficult to—and this is with short-distance as well. So it's really hard. You really have to beef up the traffic team sometimes— uh, around a lot of these operations, you need to have uh, security on a motorcycle uh, going behind the truck with with guns, like to 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 make sure that uh, something doesn't happen. Because a lot of stuff happens there around theft, whether it's the the drivers themselves stealing or or just uh, thieves stealing the truck. And so that's some of the things that come up in operating in Latin America. <laughs> it's it, it's wild. Ben, ben Gordon had told us last time that I spoke to him about uh, about a motorcycle following it, but it wasn't with guns or for protection. He was saying it was due to the lack of electronic uh, bill of, or proof of delivery, so that the, the truck would have to go deliver it, and then the motorcycle would have to go confirm that it was delivered. Uh, but now it makes a lot more sense that maybe he would carry a gun even to to, to guarantee it there. Yeah, so the electronic PODs situation versus manual is another thing, a nuance, which is a uh, which is a difficulty in Latin America. A lot of the shippers don't uh, even want to use electronic PODs. The pandemic actually definitely helps. It definitely is shifting shippers to adopt more online tools to be more efficient for various reasons. Uh, but until up until the pandemic, and even now, it's still most of the shippers we deal with prefer doing manual PODs. And so because our trucks have uh, up to 100 goods in it, with a lot, it has a lot of value, we all we have to have a guy on a motorcycle going collecting those invoices and then going back to the shipper up scanning and uploading those invoices and it's crazy that shippers prefer that and that's still a battle that we're battling with and it takes a that then increases our time to invoice which you know increases our DSO and so those are some of the challenges that we have to manage in, in down south
There's there's certainly some similar uh, challenges here. The lack of visibility. Uh, you know, there's pro it's a highly fragmented market. There's a desire for density, but. Having to ride around with a motorcycle and a gun, I can, I can call that a unique <laughs> challenge to Latin America. Let, let's talk about some of the yeah. advantages. I'm sure there's got to be some yeah. advantages to working in Latin America. Tell us some of the things that you love about working uh, in the Latin American market. Yeah, the opportunity. We, we basically, even before we say a few words, we open up our, our laptops and we, sh we show our, our track and trace and just table stakes technology that we have. We have a lot more, but kind of the, the original demo is just kind of like, okay, here's the truck and here's the guy. And, like every single time the shipper is blown away because uh, we compete against traditional carriers and the carriers in Colombia basically aren't using outside tools in Brazil is probably the most advanced where you see a shipper will use up to 10 different logistics tools, whether that's a, an additional TMS or route optimizer. But even then, because they're leveraging kind of a, a an Oracle uh, offering that was built in the U.S. or Canada, and they're trying to apply it to, to Latin America, a lot of times that just doesn't work. And so when they see something uh, built uh, internally from Liftit, everything's homegrown, built from scratch, it uh, looks great. And they immediately love the idea of Liftit and want to work right away. So like the, the greenfield opportunity there is one of the advantages um, and then the, because the market is so far behind, whether that's the, the situation on, on guys with guns on motorcycles to, for uh, theft or for the POD processes, all of this is an opportunity to speed up that process and really uh, continue to build out our platform to automate some of these really old school processes. And so uh, not only the opportunity with the shipper themselves, but the opportunity with all of the nuances within doing a truck delivery, it's, it really just makes it an incredible time to, to innovate in this space uh, in Latin America. You mentioned that Brazil is probably the most advanced market that you're in. Why is that? Is it simply just a, a, you know, a thing of size and, uh, and wealth, or, or is, there a, is there a reason that Brazil is more advanced? And do you see Mexico quickly catching up, or what market do you think is going to be the second most advanced or, or quickly catching up to Brazil? So I actually think Chile is the most advanced as far as adoption and usage of the technology. Brazil is more advanced on the number of tools they're trying to apply for their logistics operations. However, a lot of the time in Brazil, because Brazil has an extra layer of complexity with taxation and, and some, some stuff down locally that makes the logistics team, I don't know, perhaps be distracted on just the operations itself rather than using the tools which they've already committed to. But at the end of the day, I believe Chile is actually the most advanced with actually using like a few selected tools for logistics uh, operations, but then actually using them, uh, gleaning insight from them, and then executing on the analysis that, that, they've, that they've obtained. Um, and so Mexico is, is probably half uh like like 50 percent behind where where brazil is now but speeding up but what you see there is the shipper using maybe one or two tools but it's very very new a lot of the shippers don't even have a tms yet in mexico but you see that speeding up i would say definitely colombia and ecuador are equal uh in the distance behind that they are to the other markets that we're in you mentioned there a little bit about Brazil. I, I thought you were kind of going towards a little bit of a geopolitical risk there. What, you know, are you ever worried about that? You're, you operate in five disparate markets in Latin America. Is that ever on the back of your mind? No, I mean, we've seen, we've seen it all. I mean, we've seen strikes. We've seen um, like union strikes or just social strikes, social unrest in Chile. Uh, now we've seen a pandemic. And I'm, I'm sure there's other 
things that we'll see in a, in a different type of degree. But at the end of the day, goods need to move and uh, supply chain generally moves, especially on the truck, especially in Latin America, because this is another opportunity in Latin America. Like if you look at Colombia going from Bogota to Barranquilla or any of the ports on the north, that's like an LA to San Francisco trip, five hours. However, uh, it takes 18 hours in a car and over 24 hours in, in, a, in a Mack truck to get from point that get over the mountains and through all of the checkpoints. And, um, so there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, those types of, of nuances within the, the countries that just make the, the, the supply chain that much more uh, difficult, but also super important to keep things moving and really not a lot of efficiencies that can be gained in the short term to like move things off of the truck. And, uh, both in Brazil and Colombia, for instance, there's really no real, real way movement of goods. And so it, by default, everything ends up on a truck as well. So another great opportunity for us. That is, uh, that's bonkers, truly. Five or 18 hours on a five hour, what should take you five hours, uh, that's, that's nuts. So let's talk about, we've danced around COVID a little bit. We've talked about that COVID has kind of brought forth, uh, more ad advanced the idea of an electronic proof of delivery. Have, the, have there been any other changes that COVID has brought to your business? Yeah, well, there's a, certainly an increase in e-commerce deliveries um, and that we're seeing that from, you know, we're doing grocery store deliveries for Walmart in Santiago, Chile. So there we're doing, we're putting the, the groceries onto one of our one-ton vans and pickup trucks that we have. And those those trucks are doing like 30 deliveries, delivering small goods. And we, we're seeing um, that type of operation grow through the roof. Similarly, uh, up in Mexico with other e-commerce uh, players that we're working with. Um, but really, an interesting thing, and actually, I just had a, a conversation with one of our um, one of our customers, Leroy Merlin, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And their transportation uh, team is actually people who are still coming to their foot traffic retail stores. They're actually going to them and asking them, like, why, like, why do you prefer to still come into the store? Because what they're trying to do is actually transition their retail stores to kind of mini distribution centers to try to go direct to consumer. So you see that actually that's another thing Brazil's. It ha is it more advanced to the other countries? Because everyone's talking about it. Like, well, what are we going to do with these retail stores? Like, does it make sense to still optimize on that space? Probably not. Maybe turn that to a distribution center or smaller distribution center. But actually, we're actually seeing shippers in Brazil execute on that. Leroy Merlin's a great example of that, that they're, they are doing that already. Some of our operations, we're now just going to the store, loading up our trucks and going from store to their customer. E-commerce the e-commerce strategy shift overnight, they had to basically, because Latin America is a little bit, uh, a lot farther behind, um, you know, so some of the shippers had like 2% e-commerce, 5%, and now basically going to 100% overnight. So they have to adapt to that. But what's really interesting personally for me is the whole, like the, the thought around it. And then now the shift in Brazil on like what to do with those retail stores and then going direct to consumer. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of talk about that here in the U.S., but nobody really making the move, making the leap to it. So I've got, we've just got a few more minutes here. Let's let's talk about one little story that I want you to tell us. Uh, uh, ben Gordon, the last time I spoke to him, he mentioned that you guys were able to help Danone, the, the large food producer, drop their transportation costs by something like 20%. Can you tell us how you were able to do that to put a bow on this conversation? Yeah, sure. So the very first thing that we do when we talk to a shipper is, is see what they've been doing over the last 12 months with their truck deliveries. How many carriers are they working with? How many deliveries need to get done? And uh, and part of the 
the thing that happens in Latin America, a lot of the time around getting, trying to go to an address is the address doesn't exist on the map. So there's a ton of idle truck time around uh, the truck shows up, it's the wrong address. And now he's got to call into the, the, to the retail, the retail has to call their, their customer or the truck showing up at the distribution center or store and sitting idle because they, they didn't have any transparency or visibility that the truck was going to be there. And so um, there's some like, there's some tactical things around that where we are able to um, we we have automated text message, WhatsApp message confirming the addresses so trucks don't sit idle. Uh, now the logistics team have visibility to when their trucks are going to show up at the store or distribution center. But also because we integrate with their systems and pull orders in advance, and then we're doing truck deliveries the next day, mostly we're able to um, we're able to optimize on those those routes, prove that because of our route optimization and because we've planned, we're able to get cost per delivery down. So after we've executed on the pilot and we've gone into contract, we can then usually after 90 days when we have enough data, we can prove that with working with us for 90 days, you've saved 20% or higher from the past 90 days. And as we continue to go on, we kind of have a year over year uh, comparison where we're always showing the shipper that they're reducing costs with us. Well, that's great to hear, Brian. Definitely a bright future ahead of you and ahead of Lifted. Thank you yeah. so much for, for giving us some of these lessons from abroad today, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Likewise. Thanks. Appreciate it, Andrew. You're welcome. All right, everyone, stick with us for the rest of this Last Mile Summit, and uh, we got a lot of great content left for you. You guys stick around.